We'll be dismissing Children's Church right now. Remember the age groups for that are four, age four through first grade. And they can follow James and Casey out the back right now. If you will, we're going to be continuing our study in Jonah chapter three this week. Go ahead and turn there with me now. So the last time we left our beloved, rebellious, redeemed prophet, he was being thrown up by a giant fish onto the beach. Which is not the worst place that God can put you, but it's certainly not the best. So after Jonah had tried to rebel, after he'd been thrown into the sea, after he had drowned and after he had been brought back to life within the fish and then placed back onto land by God's redeeming grace and love. Yet again, in verse 3, 1, we see the same lines repeated from God that he originally told Jonah in chapter 1. And it says this, The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Get up, arise, go. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach the message that I tell you. And though what's different in verse 3 here than in chapter 1 is that instead of then Jonah getting up and fleeing the opposite direction as fast as he could, as far as he could, to try to get away from the presence of God, Jonah got up and he went to Nineveh according to the Lord's command. So he finally, our prophet, has fallen back in line after receiving the redeeming grace, the salvation, the love of God from the storm, through the fish, onto land again. Jonah is back on track. He has gone through this growing, this teaching, this disciplining from God. Um, just as David went through the breaking and the pruning, as we discussed last week here, Jonah has gone through that process. God has matured him, brought him back into the fold, and now Jonah is willing to faithfully serve and do as God has commanded him to. So Jonah got up and he went to Nineveh according to the Lord's command. Now, Nineveh was an extremely great city, a three-day walk. And Jonah set out on the first day of his walk in the city and proclaimed, in 40 days, Nineveh will be demolished. Now, as I was studying this, there's a lot of thoughts on this. Some believe that this, you know, this was it. This was all Jonah had to say. Some scholars believe that, um, like many times, what is given to us in the text is just a brief description of the message as a whole that the prophet spoke. But some believe that it was purposefully this short because Jonah, as we'll see later on in chapter 4, he still does not care about these people. He did not want to go to Nineveh in the first place because he knew God would probably forgive them, and he hated them. They were a brutal people, heads on spikes, massacres, the whole lot. They were a brutal, wicked, evil people, so much so that it, their evilness it rose up before God, as we read in chapter 1. But what I believe is that this was the message that 
God gave to Jonah. He gave them him this word. And it may be an abbreviation of it. It may be shorter, but this is what he had him declare. So I don't think here Jonah was again acting selfishly or out of his rebellion. I think he had finally fallen back in line, but we are going to see him pout a little bit in chapter 4, but we'll get to that. So in 40 days, Nineveh will be demolished. And that is what it took. And then we see in verse 5, a miracle happened. Something that can only happen because of the power of God. The power of God done through a man of God spoken with the words that God had given him. Okay? Verse 5, we see revival. Then the people of Nineveh believed God. They proclaimed a fast and dressed in sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least. So the people of Nineveh all of them in this massive city, from the greatest of them to the least of them, they turned and believed God. And what did they do immediately as they believed God? They proclaimed a fast. A fast is when you set aside everything else of this world, even the food, even the things that you desire daily, and spend that time longing for God. I would rather have you, Lord, than food. Just give me Jesus. And so in 40 days, Nineveh would be demolished. The people believe God and they proclaim a fast and they dressed in sackcloth. The things of this world are not enough anymore. God, I don't need that. Just give me these rags because all I desire is you. And so they proclaimed a fast. They dressed in sackcloth, all of them, from the greatest of, uh, from the greatest of them to the least. And then it comes to the king. And when the word reached the king of Nineveh, he got up from his throne. He took off his royal robe, he put on sackcloth, and he sat down in ashes. He humbled himself as much as a king possibly can. And then he used the authority that he had been given, and he issued a decree in Nineveh. And he says this, by order of the king and his nobles, no person or animal, no herd or flock is to taste anything at all. He's calling not just the people into a fast, but every being, every creation within his kingdom is to fast right then and there in repentance to God, just as we saw them do in Joel when we studied through that book, when they had this great evil against them um, through the famine, through the swarm of locusts, everyone was called to repent, to turn away, to fast, to seek God above all else so that they may be redeemed. And so he says, furthermore, both people and animals must be covered with sackcloth, again, humbling themselves, and everyone must call out earnestly, fervently, urgently is another way to translate that there, to God. Everyone must call out urgently to God. Each must turn from his evil ways and go from his wrongdoing. And who knows, God may turn and relent. He may turn from his burning anger so that we will not perish. And in verse 10, God saw their actions. God saw their actions that they had turned away from their evil ways. So God relented from the disaster he had threatened them with. And he did not do it. So God showed them mercy and grace yet again, which is a theme that we see all throughout this book. And and as we focus in, there's so many things in this text, but I just want to focus in on a couple of them today as we approach it. And the first one is just centering in on Jonah and his actions and how they can relate to us. Jonah, after receiving grace, he finally 
gets back right with God. He remembers all that God has done for him, not just in the belly of the whale, not just in the sea, but even before that, he remembers who his God is. So we see here Jonah is called to preach to Nineveh a second time. Jonah obeys and preaches of the impending judgment, and God uses that to save these people. They came to believe in him, and they gave their evidence of their repentance and of their belief in him. And even the king put it into motion afterwards that it would be done. And so Jonah now, faithfully serving, being on mission for God, him doing that, it began by first remembering what God had done for him. And for us to begin faithfully serving, being on mission for God, it has to begin with us remembering what he has done for us the mercy that he has shown us. Before we can begin to show others his mercy, we must receive it ourselves. So God saves us into service. Salvation isn't the end of our interaction with God. It is the very beginning. We do not get to coast after salvation. And as a church, as a people, we work so hard to see others saved, but that is the very beginning of their journey. There is so much more in this life that God has for us. And so his mercy leads to mission. Listen, God saves us initially and he disciplines us continuously so that we might become his faithful servants. The Bible calls those that love God, his servants, his disciples, his saints, his representatives, his ambassadors, his messengers, his people. And we even refer to ourselves out of love and out of joy as his slaves. And is that how you see yourself? So from this story, we see an eternal truth about God. It's not just about the fish. Out of his great mercy and according to his word, the Lord deploys sinners, delivered sinners, as instruments to bring about the deliverance of more sinners. God shows us his mercy so that we may show and tell others about it so that they may receive it for themselves. So look at it this way, the compassion of God is always followed by a commission from God. He is always calling us into service when he shows us his grace and his love and his mercy. We are not saved and restored to coast out this life, to linger here either until we die or until Christ comes back. No, we are called to go and make disciples. So let me throw in one more thought on this point. If his mercy leads to our mission, if we all agree that his word is clear that he has a purpose for each of us and every one of his followers has a duty, has a calling, has a command from Christ to tell the lost about him, about his son Jesus, so that they may be saved. Then if we are not doing that, then we have to take a look inside of ourselves and recognize it can only be for one of three real reasons that I want to bring out today. The first possibility is that you doubt God's power in his purpose for you. You doubt God's power through the purpose that he has called you to. One thing that so many followers of God mess up is that we do not pursue God's call, God's will, his purpose for our life, however you want to describe it. We do not pursue his will for us because we doubt how effective we will be as a messenger of God based on our own merits, 
on our own knowledge, on our own righteousness, and on our own power. You are not perfect. And if you're honest, you know that. If you're real honest, you know just how imperfect you are. And so often we think that because we are not perfect that we cannot, we should not, we will not be able to do the work God has called us to do. So you won't tell that person in your life who is lost about Jesus because of how you perceive yourself. But if you look at Jonah, if you look at Paul or Peter or David or name any other person in this book, you'll realize God uses and he works through imperfect people. The same God who saves whole cities through rebellious, selfish, hateful Jonas. The same God can work through you too. Jonah's effectiveness here was because he spoke the word that the Lord had given him. Just as we should speak the gospel of Christ from the word God has given us. The power of God comes from God and from his word and we simply carry the message There is no expectation upon ourselves that we're going to save anybody. It is God that does the work. And so J.D. Greer, he's a pastor in North Carolina. He's the president of the Southern Baptist Convention. He explains it like this, talking about the lost. He says, we are not dealing with skeptics that need to be persuaded. We're not dealing with bad people that need to become good people. We are dealing with dead people who need to be raised to life. So you and I do not have the words or the power on our own to bring dead people to life. That power and those words reside with God. So stop putting limits on what God can do through his own creation, through you. He made you, he redeemed you, he's renewing you, and he will use you for his will and his glory to your eternal joy. So he won't do it based on how perfect you are, but on how perfect Christ is. And so God can and will use you to reach others if you would just be obedient to his word and rely on his power for your purpose. The second reason could be that you are unfaithful to God, that you know him, but you are not following him that you do not love him as you say. But instead, you again, you love the world, you've fallen back into that. You, maybe you have lost your appreciation for what he has done for you, the joy of your salvation. Maybe you have fallen back into your old flesh, that soiled rag like in Colossians that was crucified with Christ. Maybe you are holding on to unrepentant sin instead of hearing the judgment that God has for you, knowing that the way of the wicked only leads to ruin. As we read in Psalms 1, you here in 40 days Nineveh will be demolished and instead of believing God you don't fast you don't turn away you hold on to that and you try to hide or you try to run the other way like Jonah did but you know better so if this is you right now then I pray that God will tug on you in conviction and I trust that you will feel it because he that has begun a good work in you will carry it out until the end, until completion, until the day of Christ Jesus. So accept the discipline. 
Accept the pruning. Accept the fact that you have been wrong and accept the breaking just as David did as we discussed last week. And God will renew and he will restore and you will be humbled in your spirit and come before him with that because it's a better sacrifice than anything you can place on an altar. So this could be your reason or maybe it is this third option and it sounds like we're getting less and less tolerant of our actions as we go through this. But this is just the reality. This is the bare bones. This is the truth of Christ. There's only so many reasons for why you are not doing what you have been called to do. And so maybe it's because you're struggling, you are doubting yourself, doubting your call, doubting what God can do through you. Maybe it's because right now you're not even worrying about what God can do through you. You're caught up in your own flesh and your own, your own worldliness and you are not following or seeking to follow Him right now even though you know Him. Or this could be the third option. Maybe it's because you do not know God at all. You may have sat in church. You may have been in Sunday school, maybe even sang in the choir all your life, but you did it because it was what your family did. It was what was expected of you. And it became your habit and your hobby and your social club. But Christ never became your Savior and your Lord. And week after week, Year after year, you felt complacent and what you have is enough. But sitting in church won't save you. Singing a hymn won't save you. You can be surrounded by the people of God, worshiping God, hearing the word of God preached, and it doesn't matter if you have not repented. Even if you repeated whatever prayer that the pastor was saying when you were a kid, when you were in VBS, because all your other friends around you were saying the same prayer. If you have not believed in your heart and confessed with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, if you have not given him your life, if your life is not his, unless you have been through conviction, unless you have cried out to him in repentance to save your soul, then you are not saved. And I tie this in with my point about God using the redeemed to reach the lost, because if you haven't really experienced God's saving grace in a genuine way, then why would you care if others have either? You won't. You don't. So search your hearts today, church. Look at your lives. Is there fruit? Are you not concerned with sharing the gospel that saved your soul because you are living in rebellion? because you're doubting God's power and his purpose for you, or because you've never been saved yourself and you don't know what you're missing. If the latter is true, then that can change right here. It can change right now. If you will just accept Jesus as your Lord and as your Savior, if it's rebellion for you, then you can turn away from that as well, just as the people of Nineveh did when they came to realize what God was doing. So it may seem controversial to ask a bunch of church people if they even know God, but it may be more needed in this time in our country than ever. For example, for example, there is a man in Atlanta who calls himself a pastor, a servant of God, and he shepherds and he leads a congregation of six thousand people. And he has expressed that he believes abortion is supported by Christian beliefs. 
that God is okay with it. And he's running for some kind of elected position. He's been endorsed by Planned Parenthood and no doubt in some form or fashion, he has been uh, supported by them financially and, or funding and so on. And I am not God, so I do not know all. I will never know all, but I do know this. He is either a man saved by God who is living in rebellion or who has turned who has turned and run from God and run from his truth, seeking the things of this world, or he has never known him. So despite preaching his word, despite leading God's people, 6,000 people in his church, that is more people in church at his building on a Sunday than there are in every building on every Sunday in Union County, even before COVID. They are being led astray. So Jesus said, Not all who say, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but only he that doeth the will of my Father which is in him. Which is one of my favorite verses because it is one that always brings me back to a fear of the Lord. And fear is the beginning of understanding. And though I know God loves me more than anything, it is recognizing my place that keeps me humble and keeps me in line with his will for my life. So moving on. Another thing that I want to point out from this text as we went through it, Jonah came to the city. He proclaimed to them this message from God. They believed him from the greatest of the least. They began to repent. But then the word reached the king. Then the word reached the king of Nineveh. And he was humbled and he fell down and he repented. And then he put in this executive order. So the last person really to get it was the king, was the people on top. And so why am I telling you this? In a political season, I think that the answer to our country, to any country, turning back to God is not on top. I think the answer is on the bottom. It's in our churches, it's in our communities, it's in our towns, and our schools. It is the people. If it happens down here first, I think politicians will come in behind. We think they lead what's happening. We trust, we hope that they're leading what's happening, but I I don't think they lead. I think the reality is that they come behind whatever's happening, that they see whichever horse is going to win that race, and that's where they throw their support behind. So I'm not picking on anyone. I'm not choosing any sides. This is not about this election season, but that's just what the evidence suggests. In Nineveh, Everyone was already repenting, and then the king comes in with his command. And so when we, they did that, when all the people of God began to believe their country was turned around from the very top, but it began at the bottom, and we see how they reacted to that. It said the people gave up their evil ways. And some translations specify that they gave up their evil ways and their violence. And that's something that we desperately need right now, not just in action, but also in people's attitudes as well. Everyone is ready for a fight right now because everyone is scared. Everyone is running on fight or flight right now and it's kicking in and there is nowhere to run because the whole world's dealing with these problems, these issues. So there's nowhere to run. So we're all stuck in fight mode. And this country is tearing itself apart while Christians, we as a body of Christ who are supposed to be beyond the world that God has already conquered, that Christ came for, we're getting caught up in the flow and we are taking swings at each other over worldly things and we are demonizing 
the same people that Jesus died for, who we are supposed to be bringing the message to. We are demonizing our Ninevites. So what do we need to do here? In chapter three, we see God respond to urgent prayers of the people of Nineveh. Just as in chapter one, he responded to the urgent prayers of the sailors. In chapter two, he responded to the urgent prayers of his rebellious prophet. And over and over again, we see God show up, show mercy and save because people cried out to him. He saved the sailors from the wrath of the storm and from his eternal wrath. He saved his prophet from the depths of Sheol, the depths of the seas and death. And Jonah cries out from the belly of the fish, the greatest truth that we can find out in Jonah, that salvation belongs to the Lord. And now in chapter three, as all of Nineveh cries out in repentance, God relents and he grants them salvation. He shows them his mercy and his kindness and his love, which is what he wanted to do the whole time. So church, are we praying urgent prayers for him to save us in our storms? Are we praying urgent prayers for him to save our lives and our souls when it feels like we are drowning? Are we praying urgent prayers for our country, all the people that God desires to know him, to know Jesus so that they can be saved so that we from the bottom to the top can see our country turned around? We must here and now begin to urgently pray because his church, his county, this county, this country, this world, and all of his creation need Christ, need Jesus because he saves. And we know that Jesus saves. So as we close, I want you guys to just recognize and remember the truths that should give us comfort right now, that should give us guidance in our purpose that God has for us in this time and in this place. Terry, if you'll come up. Here are these truths. <laughs> we can't save ourselves, but God can, and he desires to. The government can't save this country, but God can. And all our Ninevites, those people we count as lost that cannot be saved if it depended on us, God can save them and he wants to. So we underestimate what God can do, what he wants to do, what he will do. And we can either be his messengers that run towards Tarshish, run the other way, or we can remember that the same power that brought us from death to life is working. The same gospel of the same God that has changed you can change others if we would just share it with them. And just watch salvation, which is the gift of God done by the work of God through the spirit of God, from the word of God, about the son of God to redeem all of the creation of God by the grace of God from the wrath of God, which is justified by our sin against God, which he's paid for by the blood of God because of the love of God for us. So this is the gospel that is our God. So let us worship him in song and prayer and repentance as you feel that.